1: Welcome to the market report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. The market report for week commencing July the 5th, 2021. We're going to start with wheat prices. The worm has turned, the old crop wheat has got the influence of a late harvest coming. We talk about that in the market chat in a minute. Webby and I have a conversation which covers most of the reasons why the market's moving around. So the fact is that if you look at, firstly, old crop wheat... It traded as low as 193 delivered to Norfolk Consumer last Friday, and it's now traded as high as 204 delivered for the same period. So it's been an £11 turnaround from worst to best in a week. Now, I'm not saying that it's just going to keep going up at that rate, because I think 204 or anything well over 200 is going to be the price that everyone waited for. So I think there'll be some changing hands of the tonnage that's left. But... The harvest is definitely delayed and therefore everyone looking to the French boats turning out, they also have not been loaded because their harvest is also late. And there's other places you can get wheat from and there's other boats coming in in various parts of the country, but there is going to make it very, very tight. And I think for a little while it might just be the sort of swan song of what can only be described as a very exciting trading year. The stores will be empty across the board. We are very close to that as, you know, once our futures which are moving now are gone, there will be the sweepings that are left which is unusual. So moving on to new crop feed wheat, the futures this week were really in the doldrums, on the way down, and then we had the US crop report come out and the whole thing jumped right up again. So big crop Europe, UK is being helped by international issues. So the price, which was as low as 168 on the futures, which took the price down to probably 160, 161 X farm for November, has jumped. At this point, it's just traded at 172, as I record, but the market traded as high as 172. 175 yesterday so it is very jumpy and the market is trading four pounds above the lows of the week so current x farm value for november i would put at 165 x farm which puts harvest somewhere around about i don't know 57 58 moving on from there feed barley equally old crop is all over except it isn't all over if someone needs to put feed barley in their grist And they were counting on the harvest turning up on the 15th of July or the first ones coming perhaps before that. So all of a sudden any little bits of barley that are left are of great interest and people need to get themselves covered if they really do need some. We do not expect to see harvest for another three weeks at least. That should add a bit of excitement to it. Early reports of black sea barley are of a good crop so that might not help our prices in the longer term moving on to we touched milling wheat last week i don't sell milling wheat premiums before harvest because it might rain and it might ruin the hagbergs and you'll be left holding the baby so 20 pound premium you could probably achieve i wouldn't do it i just wait so moving on to oil seed rape it's been a great week it's jumping around all over the place approximate value this morning 440 is moved up during the week Could well go higher. There seems to be plenty of life in that market again, due to there's further damage in Brazil on some frost. You know, weather, weather, weather. Me and Webby talk about it in a minute. So largely, that's about it. It is a very volatile time. With the benefit of hindsight, should we have sold at the peak a few weeks ago? It feels like we should have done at the moment. But if the weather really decides to pick the moment to play up its most during July on the US corn crop, this thing ain't seen the top yet. And until I'm convinced that's not going to happen, I'm not going to sell the backside off it. Underlyingly, it is mildly bearish in my view at the moment, but it is on a knife edge. So with that, happy thought. Have a great week's trading. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours.
0: The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity- selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications, informing you on what dewing grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at And now it's time for Farm Chat.
1: This week, do you know, I hadn't got organised this week and we had a really full week with loads of stuff going on. It's our year end and there's all sorts of stuff I don't really enjoy doing in accounts. So I phoned a load of guys up this morning to see if I could just do a recording for a podcast. Literally, lastminute.com. All on my list to be done, but, you know, anyway, no one could. they all got these things going on, like Chrissy Key's got to play golf. Chrissy Key with the golf club, Why? Wow. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Allen's got to scare crows off his barley. <laughs> all vital stuff, which is legitimate. And it was wrong of me to phone up literally that morning. So I've got Ian with an, another in-house one, but it's handy from two or three points of view. Because Ian travelled up to Scotland the previous week. So we're going to ask him about what the clocks look like on the way down. And so, Ian, what do the crops look like on the way back from Scotland? Yeah, it was all right. I'm glad you didn't drop in there that I went fishing and didn't catch any fish whilst I was up there. That's and, old
2: news, how, how many uh, years? Yeah, it's happened a few times consecutively. <laughs> I take a few friends up, so I sort of like do the hosting jobs, so I don't, I'm um, kind of looking after them first and foremost.
1: If Scotland was independent, there'd been lots of fish.
2: <laughs> Lovely
1: little jab at the jocks. I love going up
2: there. I do it a couple of times a year, and it's a lovely part of the countryside. It's in some pristine, lovely malting barley land up there, particularly the spring barley crops. They looked awesome in Scotland.
1: They actually looked almost as forward as our crops locally. I was really surprised by that. We're going to come on to that in a minute. Just the general driving past at 70 on the A1, Did the crops all the way down? I mean, Yorkshire, is it looking...
2: The, the bit that I always amazes me, I drive through the Fen, it's, it might sound really rude to the Fen boys, but there's black grass is bad, but it seems nowhere near as bad as what I've seen in previous years. Actually looks surprisingly reasonable. There's been a year of interlude where there's been no crop of wheat. I think they managed last year was a blessing. miserable in one respect but maybe a blessing in disguise this year it wasn't perfect but better no on the whole i thought yeah the crops look good there's the odd kind of headland in places that looked a bit jammed around but everyone's got those rapeseed crops look pretty good which is pleasing being a rapeseed trader
1: so is that going to affect price on it do you think
2: i don't know i think they're more significant things around the world i think yes maybe there might be slightly better uk crop but
1: the wider world is where the problems Mm. sit Let's dance around in this late harvest thing. I mean, in our corner, we would expect to see barley next week on the mm. really light land. I don't think we're going to see, well, we'll see a bit in July, but largely, mm. especially this top corner here mm. of Norfolk, is going to be week commencing the 19th at the earliest. And lots of guys yeah. are saying it won't be August before they start. Yeah, oh, definitely.
2: Well, we had, uh, so our banker, every year first combine out farmer, farms a very light land. He has been known to cut in June before. Normally, first week of July. Yeah, he reckons
1: 20th he'll be starting. Yeah, which is... Three weeks late for him, two weeks late. We'll touch on that in the pricing aspect, because obviously there's going to be a little period where stocks were tight anyway. It's going to get a little tighter, isn't it? Which also leads on to the dynamic, you know, with a late harvest of barley, inevitably a late harvest of wheat. The weather forecast is still damp, or overcast largely, or getting a bit warmer as time goes on. I think I can safely say on a few podcasts in the last few weeks I have mentioned about relying on the French. You know, well we got French cargoes coming in basis such and such mm. a date. Well, they've already reneged on several of the contracts. They can't do it. Surprised you're very diplomatic there. You do like the French. You love <laughs> white out pop, the French with the... I had a pop, pop last week. Yeah, I can from my little Norfolk home. They don't come here anymore, do they? But no, I, I think that it's the uh, shrug of the shoulders and the yeah. Gallic sort of. Pff, garlic breath moment you can't have it mate up yours to laws that their harvest is at least a week behind is a knock-on effect it's a bit like an intake pit at a site you know holding a lorry up by having some sort of process it's not just that lorry it's the 20 lorries following it for the rest of the day yeah. and eventually someone misses a time slot you know it is vital that everything happens smoothly and the best planners the best production teams in the world can say right we should have july feed barley so we'll plan to buy that from the 20th onwards yeah. and if it ain't there it ain't there It's a bit sad though, at this store normally it works like clockwork
2: because we have a sweepstake every year, the first day of harvest and given your old hat at the job, you pretty much nail it every year and I think you normally go for about the 14th, 15th. Yeah, unless
1: it's an early harvest, and I pick an earlier date. Absolutely, (laughs) this year, it's going to be, we won't see anything before the 19th, at least. The other thing is, this is surprising, on the 30th of June, we were on sweep auger on the last silo at Aylesham. Now, normally, there's stuff carried over into July. Now, we've got stuff in the holding bins, which is, you know, the intake bins, if you like, for when harvest starts, but we've managed to clear out just about everything. Now, that is a sign, most of our stores are very close to empty and we've had carryover for year after year now, that's going to be a big benefit to us in the sense of the flexibility we have at harvest time. But it's also a sign that if our stores across the board are down to zero, I'm pretty certain everybody else is going to be yeah. in the same place. Yeah. So if we're the litmus test or the barometer, then you know we really are down to next to nil. And I'm not talking my book here particularly. I've got a Diddy Long in July, which I've kept for my local guys if they run out of wheat. I'm not going to see yeah. my local consumers wrong. And I'm not going to sell it to them cheap either, by the way, boys. <laughs> but it's there just in case. I think we'll use it. Yeah. It's
2: certainly got a very different feel to it now than it did a fortnight ago. Yeah. I mean, all the pressure is off old crop. And now you think, well, where is it? The dynamic is a very different one.
1: Mm. So with that, I mean, there's no sign of a particularly warm, sunny period coming up. So, yeah. No. What about your
2: thoughts on crop prospects then? Does this weather concern you? I mean, I've had growers talking about
1: fusarium and... Yeah, fusarium is a concern. Possibly grain fill if they don't get you serious sunlight. There is still UV rays coming through the thin clouds, so I'm not so worried about that. I think grain fill is occurring, but certainly if it keeps damp, you know, year end, there's all sorts of things. Oh, damn, I forgot that. And your brain goes through all these things in the middle of the night. So, four mm-hmm. o'clock this morning, yeah, I got up. I thought, I can't lie here thinking about all this stuff. So, I got up, to took the dog outside, very reluctant dog. Did an outside wee, (laughs) that sort of stuff. Strolled around the garden in my pants. There was a light mist coming down and what have you. And, you know, it was very damp. And I kind of thought to myself, we could do with it clearing up properly for a good five days of burst of sunshine. Nice heat dome, which, you know, we're, we're aware of in the States. And that would make all the difference. But I do think Fusarium will, I don't think it's the biggest feature yet, and it's not set in stone. But I do think unless it brightens up, there will be a bigger and bigger problem with it, which will be a worry. I'm supposed to ask the questions, Ian, by the way. While we're on the subject of what's happened this week, I think it's the next question. Obviously, the big moment was the USDA, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was hugely anticipated. I mean, it was the biggest report since I was going to say the six months, but actually the prospective planting one was pretty big in its own rights. But it had chucked a huge curveball because I think a lot of the trade or the expectations were that there was going to be an additional three million acres of corn. And it came well shy in only a million acres. The other thing that's kind of spooked or added a bit of fuel on the fire is the additional acreage is supposedly in the North and South Dakotas both of which have had a hellish time with the weather, with the most significant downgrades. So, yeah, it's it certainly, I mean, we look at it on a chart. Within two minutes, it went from being 20 cents down, I think it was on corn, to limit up. So yeah. it's a 60 cent range in two minutes, which was huge. And soybeans, I think similarly, the acreage didn't change, and it went up 90 cents. So just shy off a dollar, which again is huge.
1: It's now taken a breather though, isn't it? It's not actually the follow through, yeah. isn't there? So a long think- weekend, you know, July the 4th. Mm-hmm. Your instinct still says sell it really from the UK production or European production mm. basis, but you simply cannot ignore mm. the volatility of those markets, can you? It's
2: really hard. From the drive that I had, if you were ignoring all the outside or anything on different shores, you would sell the UK wheat. I mean, it just looked cracking, you know, as you'd want a British or English
1: crop to look. But the US, it's spooky the the volatility. The other thing about the figures was that apparently it's done by a, people who are asked a, a survey, if you like, yep. and only 44% of the people responded. So there's a fairly low number of responses okay. on it. So the accuracy of the figures is open to debate, as some pundits have highlighted. In the end, you have to write the question to the people who grow the stuff and hope they send right. back an answer. Yep. And if you sent a question, are you inclined to be well, slightly. Is suggesting a bit of a spoof? Well, really? do you know, if someone said, How many acres are you planting? And if there's less acres, your price will go up. You might sort of go, well those acres didn't go too well so probably it's not quite a thousand it's more 850 do you know what i mean that's human nature to kind of skew things a little not everyone's a lay preacher in the (laughs) 99.2 hectares so there is an element of that and we won't know that but again, how much of visit in the Dakotas and, and lots of the bigger guys have lots more people trying to ascertain what exactly is happening next. Even they don't know it, it's a movable yeah. feast. Late harvest, USDA figures, plantings, yeah. all these things coming at once, it's going to jump around a great deal. Yeah. I still don't feel like selling the backside of it. It feels yeah. like there's still more life in the volatility for what it's worth. And that's probably yeah. a naive statement and it's probably going to cost a whole lot of my farmers lots of money if I'm completely wrong on it, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to give up the ghost
2: no i don't think he's had any even almost until you can confirm the yields coming through on that corn crop or the soybean crop yeah, he has a long way to on that season mm. july is the most critical i think isn't it the silking period through july which is the real crucial one i think 2012 the most damaging month was july but july didn't receive rainfall and it cooked in the states whereas this year they are getting the odd rain so this on a seesaw they could have an absolute crack of a crop similarly it could be rubbish
1: What's happened in politics anything? China has said they've got a big corn crop, you know, on the basis of... Yeah, I mean, this is where we,
2: again, can be very non-PC, but I'm always very sceptical to hear what the Chinese have to say. I mean, to me, a big corn crop means they've got a crap corn crop.
1: Pig numbers are back at peaks, which means there's an awfully large amount of food to be consumed, and their hog prices have slumped, apparently. But if you say things negative about China, I will warn you that they will bash your head against a steel wall. (laughs) Which is really grown-up thing to say. I can't,
2: who, which uh, Chinese diplomat came out with that? that oh, was the president. A, it's OK. President, yeah. The
1: chairman, whatever his name is. He was deciding to tell probably America that if they dare say no or get out of Taiwan or... Test, it's quite refreshing. South China Sea yeah. isn't yours. Yeah, they're going to bash anyone's head against, against a steel hard wall, steel wall. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, you know I'm, where he stands with that, at least. It's very... Blunt to the point. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. And talking about reliable information, Russia has increased its export tariffs this week.
2: I haven't, I've got to admit, I haven't really followed the story. So they've mm. come out and
1: they've... Yeah, nothing happened. Everyone, they said, right, well, oh, but no one really gave a damn. And there's also reports they've got a reasonable crop. The early barley coming out of the Black Sea region are, are yielding quite well. So it looks okay. like they've got a reasonable crop coming. The fact they're going to raise their export tariffs is an internal try-and-get-the-price-down job, I guess. So now we, we've no, done weather, haven't we? We've done politics... We've skirted around weather,
2: but we haven't spoken about the uh, what do they call it? Is it the dome of doom? People have called it the heat dome across
1: the Canadian prairies and into the Dakotas, which is yes, it's definitely killing people, and it's mainly the other side of the Rockies at the moment. And word Mm -hmm. is, is trying to head east, so it could have an impact scary anyone can jump on the top of it and say it's climate change probably two degrees of it is climate change these are phenomena that have happened before yeah. but just the temperatures are that much higher well yeah. 40 degrees i think <clears> it's got 45 degrees yeah in some of the canadian areas is huge even over 30 degrees at night yeah well then people sleeping in the basement etc mm. if it was centered over iowa then it would be limit up day after day I after would, day yeah. so yeah. it ain't there yet but we'll be watching for that one Something we were talking about a little while ago before we turned on the microphones was this harvest testing.
2: We saw the, how should I put it, the exodus last year. I think maybe under the guises of COVID, which I get, you know, we were similar. We didn't go out on farm because you can. But I think there's fewer and fewer merchants now not willing or able to go out and test. I think there's been a bit of a mode of, for I'm sure lots of different reasons. I mean, you can put COVID out there. You can put health and safety down there. You can even, let's be really cynical, say it's saved an overhead doesn't
1: it really yeah, totally i mean we are competing directly with companies you know let's say based in a different county who phone up our farmers and give them a price and on the basis of grain they've checked on our testing facilities and so they haven't had the cost of a runner they haven't even got the cost of a lab or the lab no. technician to do it they just simply you know the farmer who's been used to a service level yep. off the scale all of a sudden yep. might not realize that he's kind of abusing the geographical merchants that are nearby oh. you know we have labs Adams and Howling have got a lab. Banner's yeah. got a lab. Frontier have got labs at their stores where yeah. they, I assume they do testing for their yeah. key farmers. Yes, yes. But several of the boys who are trading from outside this county don't. Not so we have a
2: set charge for it, but it doesn't come for free. There is an associated cost with doing it. You have your runner, you've got your lab equipment. You know, that in its own right, it's every single site's got that kit and that capital expense. So it yeah. adds up. Um, and it's, it's very convenient, I think, for some merchants
1: not to provide that. They don't need to because we do, (laughs) which is fine. We're providing a service. The issue really lands at the farmer's feet, doesn't it? 98% of our farmers are very, very loyal. There's a percentage of our farmers who just use and abuse us. You kind of become aware of that over a period of time. That's okay. That's the nature of the industry. There is a point possibly where the recognition of that cost, should there be a central laboratory that everyone chips into? You talk about your HGCA levy or the AHDB levy. Why shouldn't some of that levy go towards a real, regional laboratory? An, an actual yeah. uniform yeah. accepted testing facility. There's no disputing, and there's no commercial benefit in finding the commodity yeah. right or wrong. I'm putting that out there. The money's being spent levy wise anyway. Why not sack some of the 3,000 AHDB students, whoever they employ? or oh, the, that's interesting. Yeah. Or, and and yeah. say, right, we'll, we'll have a central lab or regional yeah. labs. Yeah, just a useful suggestion of how to spend and how to save doing grain a bit of Uh cash by not having too many tests to be done. But I think the other thing I've always thought
2: the grain trade can be quite good as a almost like a service sector for the farmers. You know, you go out and you sample grain, and it's good to get out on farm, and it is good to see growers get into a store, get an understanding, get an idea of what is in the sheds. So actually, having eyes on stuff
1: is good. It's part of our makeup, yeah. isn't it? We are a service merchant. Mm. We have facilities. We do get grumpy mm. at harvest time. We do work on Saturdays. We are available for those jobs. The large companies, I understand it, have announced they are not sending people out on farm this yeah. year. That's the sea change. Yes, yeah. Who does provide that service? And if someone suddenly wants to know what the nitrogen of their barley is and they don't trade with us... Yeah. Is the merchant that they sell it to going to provide them with a quick, easy service if they've said, no, we don't send sample runners mm. like, Will they provide a lab locally for someone to drop a sample off? Probably not. I don't know. Does it become a postage sample? Well, know, that send works. Send off just central lab somewhere. It up. works, but it's slow. Yeah. It's not quick enough. And Most, most
2: farmers you speak to are too impatient to wait the following day for a result. Most will want it. Yeah, and what's, the, what's the moisture content? Off the combine. Oh, what's it? You know, two hours later, what's the result?
1: Which I get, I'd be the same. But it's going to be an interesting dynamic. There's more to it than that, isn't there? There's moisture meter. We're providing, as usual, our annual moisture meter certificate testing for farmers. Moisture meters, you have to have that for your task. If a merchant who you trade with doesn't bother to have a laboratory available for you to do that, or they're in a county far away... Obviously, you go to your good old local boy and then moan, you got to pay 10 quid to have your moisture meter. <laughs> it's like, OK, and the bloke who's standing there with the expertise to do that and the calibration of the machine yeah. to make your machine accurate, to make this re- actually a real. Is that kind of I'm always being ripped off mentality, whereas, in fact, it's flipped, isn't it? We should just say, nah, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> what? I'll, I'll take it to... Uh, yeah, who will you take it to? Yeah, yeah I'm being bitter and twisted now, but... It is an interesting change this year. I'm certain that the local, smaller, regional merchants will provide the same service or similar.
2: I do 100% get why merchants are doing it, but I'd just like to think that farmers maybe appreciate those that do sample and actually kind of give them their dues for going out and sampling. And is it COVID or is it health and mm-hmm. safety? What is it? What's the excuse given? Can't I'd, afford it? Yeah, again, I think merchants have probably been itching to get away from doing it for a while. Oh, we all know. No, we've whinged about it. it. sounds like a proper wind session, but whinge at the margins are quite tight anyway.
1: In the Stream. autumn last year, we were blown away. We were £5 yeah. out, and people were buying stuff at a price that didn't dictate to making a profit, which, yeah. with the benefit of hindsight, the market did go up, and they did make money out of it, I guess. Yeah. I can only assume that, but yeah. certainly there was nil money in buying wheat for a yeah. period of time between sort of Nov and, I don't know, Jan. That We'd we blown away, yeah. Yeah. and we were told we were trying to rip people off, and it's like... No, the market up, is yeah. this, yeah, yeah. and someone is paying my money. I've got to let it go. You've got to sell it to them. Yeah, yeah. Whoever they are, wherever they come from, they yeah. don't provide a service. They don't provide a lab. Yeah, yeah. But they provided you with a price that's better than ours. Big price, yeah. And yeah. they bought market share, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I think there is also
2: Can the, they um, sound like Joe Beardshaw here as well, but there is the health and safety element. I think there was a tragic incident two years ago where I think a sample died in a store. I think there was a case of asphyxiation or something within a store. Oh, right. I think that probably spooked a few people
1: to think. Go okay, well, yeah. <laughs> Go back to the wild old days of the seventies and eighties. It was. Uh, I can remember. Crane stores are much better places <coughs> than when I remember being a sampler as God a blimey. as a seventeen-year-old. They are very different now to what they were. Well, it's twenty years ago now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a sign of the times, and it's a bit like the Amazon model, isn't it? Come to the high street, get all the information you need, then do it with the American company who won't pay any taxes over here. So that's cool, but just be aware. Be careful what you wish for. You end it's a up very, up, very subtle analogy there, Andrew. You end up <laughs> with a high street closed, don't you? Yeah. And the American companies do send a bill over here yeah. to say, oh, I'm under charges this. Money comes out of the profit of the UK. So the taxes paid for by the UK arm of it is a lot less than it would be if you traded with a local UK merchant mm. who pays all his taxes over here, employs all its people over here, all pay taxes over here, 100% British company. But it's mm. at a cost. Gap is closing all of its stores in the UK. Debenhams have closed all the High Street stores in the UK. The High Street is becoming very, very bare.
2: It is, sadly.
1: So with that really cheerful news, we're going to move on to something that I know you know a great deal about. There's two things. One thing you definitely know lots and lots about, and that's beer. And I went to the cupboard today and we're down to our last bottle, which is a sad reflection. That's very sad, yeah. It is, yeah. So if anyone's listening with that, bear in mind I one of two... That's because Josh does like a five o'clock beer. You can quite quickly sort of sneak in. Oh
2: shit! Oh.
1: it's a bit lively this one. Everybody, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> sorry. Half it on the table now. Right, right. can you pour? My
2: uh, my wife from her uni days used to come up with the um, what's it? Lickage is sippage No, sort of spillage is lickage. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> I'll pour some on my belly then. I think that's a bit too far. <laughs> So she'll say, ah, oh, that was back in my student days. Do you reckon
2: you'd be able to hold a pint in your belly button? <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> probably. Might come out a bit mucky. Anyway, <clears throat> moving on. We probably need to get a cloth, actually. Hang on. Oh, all yeah, right, that's better. The beer we just opened, spewed beer right all over the table and just about everywhere else. So what exactly... It's the last beer in the fridge, and I know why it's the last beer in the fridge because it's got the word pineapple on it, hasn't it? Oh, no, I've tried this one in our Before. previous sessions, and it's
2: actually right. Yeah, is it? it's the Wildcraft Brewery. So, this is just outside of Elsham. I think it's Buxton. It's yeah, the Buxton no, I, I
1: know exactly what Wildcraft is. Wildcraft mm. got some good beers, but the word pineapple always puts me off. So, it was left in the fridge. I there. think when we last had it, we had all the
2: pineapple gags going on of why you should eat pineapple because it
1: oh yeah we've had it before haven't we tastes some yeah well I don't care it's the last beer so we can review pineapple beer for the second time and for the second time pleasant surprise I think I was pleasantly surprised last time that actually yeah, tastes that's like
2: right. beer wild Caribbean pineapple <laughs> 4.3% IPA I'm pretty sure it's probably got Marisota in it mm-hmm. does it say that doesn't say but I know these guys aren't marisota users so
1: not <clears> bad right so now we've got a beer in our hands the next question is football mm, lovely you know I've got two left feet, haven't I? We're not talking about your footballing skills, we're talking about your footballing knowledge, Webby. I mean, how old have you been so far with the Euros? Um, marginally. I got
2: very bored through the Scottish game, I must admit. That was dull. Yeah. My wife really struggled to uh, entertain me watching that. I got oh, brought, uh, I she don't, did... not what to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit of a stickler, actually. I don't really like going to the pub to watch a game like that. I'm a, sort of uh, an armchair supporter i just quite like sitting in my living room
1: on my own when england played germany did you watch the entire game i did yes and how did you feel when england scored finally well it was
2: a get out of your seat moment but i wouldn't say i think you asked me whether or not i cried and no i'm not it wouldn't take it to that sort of emotion (laughs) but yeah i understand the ground of you know it's, it's a
1: big event and and yeah there's a huge amount of history yeah I'm going to paint the picture for you. I was incredibly emotional about England beating Germany. You can say all the things about the Germans weren't so good. Muller did miss a sitter. you know, yeah. And we did look incredibly boring for a long period of time. Haven't let any goals in and so on. Pickford, lunatic goalkeeper. But for England, he's superb. He's absolutely superb as a goalkeeper. The issue for me... There was a big fuss about that poor little German girl who was crying about her team losing, and, and there were lots of you know terrible things said and people teasing him and all the rest of it. I didn't have any Germans apologise to me in 1970 when my headmaster at Bressingham County Primary School said we're going to watch Germany versus England, and England were two nil up. Francis Lee and Alan Mullery had scored, and Gordon Banks was ill because they'd poisoned him properly. <laughs> anyway, Gert Muller scored a hat trick and they beat us three two. I was eight. I cried. I was was utterly gutted. We'd won the World Cup in 66. I was kicked out of the room to watch it because my dad said, Get out. I'm trying to watch this. I was a fanatic by eight, absolutely mad about it. And yeah, it was really upsetting. Only seeing them get knocked out of the World Cup, not by Germany, but in uh, 1970. Two, they were knocked out by Poland and Tomaszewski, what his name was, he was in goal. He was like a complete, just hit him just about everywhere and never went in the goal. So I had massive emotion at a very, very fanatical football time. It really, really got to me. And ever since 1970, England, whenever they've played Germany in a meaningful game, have lost. They've been knocked out by Germany every single time. Justly, unjustly, 1990 World Cup all sorts of German antics, getting Gaza booked, all the things that they could do to unsettle the team, every cheating little shitty thing ever, injustice, very unfair, and all of a sudden, we beat them. 51 years on, yeah, I was so... When we went 2-0 up with three minutes to go, it's like, they actually can't equalise now. We're actually... they got into extra time, I think they're going to get one back, they're going to get one back. We beat them 2-0, and it was... Yeah, I will undeniably say I was massively emotional about it. It was great didn't cry but I was like right up there.
2: Any English supporter or any Brit would feel the same it's not quite to the same extent of emotional kind of tie, it but everyone joins in regardless if you're a football fan or not.
1: I mean Josh has banned me from watching footy with him historically because of my utter negativeness <laughs> about the previous experience of preparing the way for it to be 0-0-1-1 or yeah. whatever. You know, even his generation are now feeling the defeats enough to yeah. be really pleased. I, we actually all went down the pub afterwards. We watched it at home, and then we all met up yeah, and cool. had a bit of a group. Oh, over that's there. what I asked. I was wondering, because you did come in a bit dusty the following morning. Oh. Yeah, I did. I was a bit d-
2: it was, So you went yeah. to the pub, which oh,
1: I didn't realise that. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, who do you think should be in the team Saturday then? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit of a careful. <laughs> um <laughs> Pickford, yeah, okay, He's in goal.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the uh the player that I have slightly enjoyed, Grealish, I think Grit he's actually been he's got some flair, he's quite exciting, and and is it Saka? Saka. Yeah. He's a tidy player. Uh, the the rest of them oh and actually defender pick defenders are
1: quite like watching Maguire play. He's good. He goes forward a bit and passes. Yeah, Yeah, no, I agree. My only change would be possibly have something on the left-hand side before Grealish comes on. Have someone, like, take Shaw off and put Mount on. And then at least you might have two people running at the defenders both sides of the pitch. But everyone's saying we're likely to win now. But, uh, again, we go back to that. Prepare yourself for the worst. And then if it comes off, then be emotionally overwhelmed. So, yeah, it's coming home. By the time the next podcast comes out, we'll know whether we're in the final or not, won't we? Yeah. So I'll either be, you know, exciting. pre-match nerves or I told you I was I right. did, um I
2: did watch the Ukraine-Sweden game after the England game. It was pretty brutal. Those guys fell like
1: flies towards the end of the game and <laughs> played extra time. There were several injuries. Yeah. yeah. That's a fact. Some look pretty nasty. So yeah, hopefully. Hopefully half the team's missing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. God. <laughs> anyway, with that, yeah, as I say, it uh, it hopefully is coming home, but we'll talk more about that next week. Hopefully, with a view to England being in the final, but we've got to get through two. Well, what are you going to
2: do? Uh, what are you going to do if England win it? You going to do a streak round the yard at Elsham? Why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> I did like Josh. Um, Josh the other day, he was uh, he had quite a good strategy. Actually. He said, "I'm going to put some money on Germany winning it." So that's a bit weird, and he was like, Yeah, well, if England win it, I'm be going to be chuffed to bits. But if
1: we lose, I'm going to make some money. Yeah, happy both ways. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, that's one way of dealing with it. My way of dealing with winning it will not be running around the yard naked. No. <laughs> so, with that happy thought, everybody, have a great week's trading and hopefully be pre match wearing our England shirts next week when we record. Cheers, see you then.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.